Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for September 4th, proper 18, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost in year C. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And how are you, Bruce, today? I'm doing fine today. Tomorrow? <laughs> Who knows? It's <laughs> another day. Good, good, good. Yeah, uh, we are... We are uh, looking outside the window on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's hot. Dreaming of all the yard work that we're ignoring. Um, yeah, that's true. So this podcast will be a special three-hour episode. <laughs> but, uh, all right, fine. No one. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so uh, we, we are September. Man, this is uh, we're, we're about dead center in the season after Pentecost. That's perfect. Uh, from what I can see... Just generally speaking, because there's a list of of uh, Sundays, and we would, we appear to be somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah. So, um, but uh, September fourth, uh, we're coming up uh, quickly on our uh, regular uh, um, Sunday morning uh, programming. We're restarting. Uh, um, I guess adult forums been. Uh, Semi-actively, like... It's been off and on. Off and on. Uh, Special we'll, event-oriented, but routine stuff will start September 18th. Yeah, and uh, and, and the, we're, we're getting back to a, uh, a day where um, um, uh, children are having their education again, and and uh, all, all manner of, uh, of, of uh, things kind of come back to uh, the church. So September 18th is the... the, the 9 a.m. school. 9 a.m. Is the is the, the the back to back, what are we calling it? The return to normalcy. The, the <laughs> I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> the resumption well, this time for sure. Resumption of Christian formation or resumption of Sunday school, depending mm-hmm. which term you like better. There you go. There you go. So, uh, what else do we have? Uh, anything that we want to highlight? Yeah. Go ahead. We have game night. I was going to say that Friday at seven. Uh, uh, we are doing game night. Uh, it it, it uh, had a very a varied experience uh, once we started kind of coming back together uh, post COVID. It wasn't really something that we were fully sure how to do in in, in kind of like a, a larger group setting. So hopefully. Uh, and inviting uh, larger groups of people uh, now back to the church to experience game night. And for that, uh, uh, it's it's a very simple process. You can either, A, bring a game, like a board game, a card game, that you would like to play. I think of it as a boxed game. Yes, a boxed game. There you go. Uh, uh, that you would like to play, bring it to game night, uh, seek out others, uh, bring, bring others that want to play this yeah. game with you. Uh, and uh, um, we have a number of tables open where you can play that game or just come. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of people who have uh, boxed games ready to go. Some of them... Uh, I have yet to bring a game to game night. Exactly. And there's they, always something to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, I, I sometimes do, sometimes don't, and there's plenty of options still. Uh, but but uh, one of the fun things about that is it, it could be uh, like the shoots and ladders game that you've played since you were a kid, <laughs> or it could be like, hey, uh, a couple of the, 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 the gentlemen from the Boy Scout group and I uh, go to Gen Con every year, and so we would come back right around this period of time and we go, hey, 
check out this new brand new thing that I bought. No one's ever played it before. Let's have fun. Cool. Uh, and so it could be as, uh, as as complicated and wild as you want, and or as uh, uh, no, no fish, maybe no <laughs> monopoly. I, I, I'm like that's the only game where I'm like maybe you you know. Well, people always it are drives upset. families apart. <laughs> Don't bring that one. And people get upset at me when I say you really should tie that two hundred dollars. <laughs> In that game, what? Back to the bank? Or, yeah, what's the, but anyway, that's. I guess that's, community chest would be the place. Yes, yes. So, uh, lots of fun uh, things uh, uh, going on at game night. And again, that's this Friday at 7. Uh, if you missed it, if you're listening to this uh, uh, Saturday morning, uh, no worries. Uh, we will have another one next month. Uh, it's just uh, this is uh, this is the, the the kickoff, the return to normalcy kickoff. Uh, yeah, and it's I'm, every month. Uh, yes, every month. So uh, lots of fun. Bring a little bit of snack if you want. Bring so, uh, something to drink if you'd like, um, and uh, and join us on Friday at seven. Um, anything else? I think we're out of time for other time. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, let's do let, let, let's move over to our uh, uh, events in church history. This day in church history, which again, September 4th. Uh, in 422, we see the death of Pope Saint Boniface the First, who was awarded the papacy, which is an interesting word. Yeah. Uh, by imperial decree, Boniface had supported Augustine of Hippo against Pelagianism. Uh, and so let's just do a real, uh, real quick, uh, what is Pelagianism? If do you I, have any idea? I, I may be off by a vowel, which can happen with heresies, that it, it's um, the belief that you can, to oversimplify, it's the belief that you can earn your way into heaven. You can get into heaven with just good works. Doesn't matter what your faith is. Well, it comes. It comes obvious. It becomes now obvious to me now that I'm looking it up. Uh, they from a theological doctrine of Pelagius, so mm -hmm. Pelagianism, uh, and his followers. Uh, the denial of the doctrines of original sin and predestination, and the defense of innate human goodness and free will. Okay, I thought this was I, okay, and I thought what I said was part of it, but I, those are probably even more important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, still, still a matter of debate today. I mean, well, yeah, uh, yeah. the difference between original sin and, and whether or not that's that's an active uh, part of people's face is still a uh, discussion. Big time, and well, even because it was Augustine who really promoted the idea of original sin, mm -hmm. and people are even arguing what he meant. Yeah, I mean, it's not to to some Christians it seems like it's self evident, but it's really not. And a lot of Christians are surprised here. Judaism doesn't carry it, even though Augustine based it on Hebrew scripture uh, selections. Yeah, uh, it, it's still still worth uh, delving into and and uh, being part of your theological discussion with all your church nerd buddies. Yes. Um, so, uh, 1646, Johann Campanius uh, dedicates the first Lutheran church in America in the Swedish colonial settlement of Christiana near present-day Wilmington, Delaware, on Tinicum Island. Huh. Uh, so 1646 uh, was uh, the first Lutheran church. Well, I didn't even know there were Swedish folks having a settlement there. The Swedes made it to... Well, sure. I mean, they're... Yeah. So... <laughs> the Swedes but I didn't know it was that early. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, uh, that early. Uh, 1666, we see, unfortunately, the very unfortunate Great Fire of London uh, destroying Saint, uh, the old St. Paul's Cathedral, uh, uh, which one can only imagine how beautiful uh, that was. Well, actually, the one that replaced it is much more beautiful. How do you know? You weren't there. <laughs> I think, I, I literally think I had it on a midterm. <laughs> The significance of the London Objectively fire. Objectively more beautiful was uh, your answer. Well, it's the old thing. <laughs> it was the old thing of the old one. Um, they didn't have as much money. Okay. And it had gone through a number of ill-advised remodelings. And the so they got to start with a clean slate, had one of the um, best church architects of all time, uh, Design it, and so whose name was? Uh, Not on the midterm. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a brother of a church. Yeah, yep. I thought that might pop it out, but no, 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 it happened. But most of the most of the great churches of England were designed by this guy. The ones mm. that are older, nice and. Something to go to London yourself and to uh, experience a little bit. I'm sure they have literature on it uh, that would, that would uh, identify the architect. Uh, 1741, Thomas Gillespie becomes the minister of Carnock in Fife. He becomes a strong advocate of allowing Presbyterian congregations to choose their own ministers rather than having one appointed by the General Assembly. Uh, so a more modern setup there uh, we see for the Presbyterian well, congregation. And also more Protestant, mm -hmm. because the more Protestant tra um, traditions that were growing were very Congregationalist, and the Lutherans to this day um, you know, still have bishops and a hierarchy within that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, 1771, Francis Ashbury boards a ship for America, where he will soon organize uh, the and extend the Methodist church that, by the point of his death, uh, will have grown from being one of America's smallest denominations to being its largest. Uh, so um, by the point in time when he dies, which it not does not uh, say here in the entry when that is, uh, but one assumes uh, not, I mean, it's not several hundred years, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a quick turnaround from, from uh, smallest to, to, to largest. Yeah, because the, the Methodist Church really took off after the Civil War, which clearly this is, with the westward expansion into present-day Ohio, Indiana, etc. This is not Civil War. No, I meant to say Revolutionary Revolutionary War, gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah you know, as Episcopalians, it really was a Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There you go. Witness how, that. How, yeah, how's that a cover? <laughs> but yeah, so the the Methodist Church was very active in essentially following the frontier settlement, and um, therefore planting thousands of congregations in every crossroads wow. in the Midwest, which you can still see the the strength of numbers they have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two years later, 1773, some of the priests of the canonical chapter of Castellana uh, protest having to do homage and pay tithe to a woman bishop or abbess uh, in Naples. So, cool. Uh, we got you. I don't know if I knew that. We, uh, uh, <coughs> You are now in church history, and we know who you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we have our second woman bishop in our diocese. Yeah. 
Um, two in a row. Two in a row. 1817, the Dutch announced plans to reorganize the Protestant churches in the Dutch in, uh, Andes. Indies, sorry. Uh, they're in, in, in Indonesia, so a reorg. It doesn't like, go into what exactly that means, but a reorganization nonetheless. Uh, 1844, the death of Oliver Holden. <coughs> Excuse me, if that name sounds familiar. Uh, it's a composer, an American Puritan clergyman in Boston, Massachusetts. He wrote, uh, he had written a coronation uh, to the tune uh, that we now sing to him, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Okay. Uh, 1846, death of uh, David Abiel, a pioneer missionary to Batvia. Uh, he also had been instrumental in organizing the Society for Promoting Female Education in the East. Oh, that's good. So... Unlike those uh, yeah. folks who didn't even want to pay a tithe <laughs> to an abbess, whatever. Uh, and then lastly, 1977, we see the formation of the Trans World Radio, which begins broadcasting from its newest station, a 100,000-watt shortwave transmitter in Guam. Well, okay, so it can reach the some of the other corners of Polynesia. Uh -huh. And that's it. That's it for this day uh, in church history. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on that uh, way back machine approach to uh, to church history. Gosh, Mister Peabody. <laughs> Settle down, Chairman. Uh, so let's move on to other church history, uh, and that is uh, our first reading for today, which comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter thirty, verse fifteen through twenty. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Um, the author here seems to be proposing uh, an option. But it doesn't... Free will. It doesn't really... It's, it's not as though uh, there's much choice. <laughs> and yet... What would you prefer? Would you prefer to choose life and live or die? <laughs> And yet, <laughs> and people, yet, people re repeatedly make the lesser choice. Uh, yeah, tell me about uh, the book of Deuteronomy. We get we get into it here and there. Yeah, uh, but so but it is easy to lose context because hey, let's face it, it's not the book of Isaiah, uh, which <laughs> yeah we're in all the time. So Deuteronomy, remind me what is what is this book? Who is this author? The well. Okay, I was going to say the the voice of Deuteronomy for the most part is Moses. Okay, okay, and it's the it's the 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 teachings of Moses that he gives just before he dies. Okay, and so Deut the book of Deuteronomy ends in 
three more chapters after this, after Moses dies. So this okay. is part of Moses's closing speech, closing teaching. And so Moses didn't write it. Instead, it's a series of teachings preserved in Moses' name, in honor of Moses. And it's so significant that the unnamed author or authors are designated by biblical scholars as their own school of thought and who pop up throughout early to um, middle-aged Hebrew scriptures. Okay. The Deut Deuteronomists. <clears throat> okay. Deuteronomical authors. <laughs> you almost got it. Oh. <laughs> But they're not as concerned about liturgical worship as the book of Leviticus, even though there's a lot of overlap between the two books. Okay. They're more concerned with right relationship with God and right behavior among humans. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, and then the word Deuteronomy is like uh, second. It means like, doesn't it? I think so. Do, 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 uh, deutero, second or secondary? I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, why, why would that be, though? Like, why, um... I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Was that also on an exam? <laughs> yes. Probably three or four. Uh, We're reading. I am reading. Reading. Frantically looking. Frantically looking. Um, oh, my goodness. That's too much detail. <laughs> I should have gone to the first page. Should have gone to the first page, yes. The standard English name of the book <laughs> comes from the ancient Greek Septuagint, um, which means second law. Okay. Um, which is a bad translation of a copy of the law. Uh, okay, okay. Because... Deuteronomy, the book, the, is framed as what Moses wrote down just before he died. Gotcha. So would the first be the tablets, and then the second be his could expansion? Be, but also could just be they didn't translate it well. Oh, okay. Okay. Because uh, they're going from Hebrew to Greek. Laws of Moses, take two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had a third take, but he did die. Uh and uh, so I, I also have some curiosity as to uh, the translation in one of the verses. Well, actually, I should say one more thing. So sure. This is what I'm reading. You should say more than one more thing. Since I'm reading all this stuff. Right, right, right. Um, that in a Hebrew Bible, the title of it is simply words. Well, that's less flashy. Yes. <laughs> because that's the first word of... The book of Deuteronomy is the word. It's words, words in the Hebrew. Yeah, and there's 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 a joke here. I'm just <laughs> not gonna not gonna be able to form it in time. Uh, but yeah, well, you know what? Reading what words, song words. It inspired the Duda Duda Verl. I'm quitting. We're gonna we're gonna try this one again. Oh, no, I'm, all right, fine. The Dude. Oh, Earl. <laughs> a little nauseous. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. So, 
Um, gets uh, back on track. Verse 18. Uh, the word that gets translated as perish, I'm curious as to uh, the accuracy of that one. It, it says, I declare to you today that you shall perish. Um, we do, it, it does still fit along with the life and death, and, and uh, but... Well, yeah, you're skipping... I, remember, that's only half a sentence. The other half is verse 17. Right, because the, the... Oh, I was going to... Um, I was actually partnering it with the rest of what's in 18 because it goes on to say, you shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan uh, to enter and possess. So I'm curious as to whether or not the word perish is, isn't so much to expi actually expire, but just uh, more of an implication that you won't, like, will you be kicked out? Will you, or, or is it strictly death because we do have a life and death blessings and cursings shortly thereafter so i was just kind of curious as to the actual like the it could be translated as ruined okay um, okay destroyed um seeing what other ones they have in the dictionary hebrew dictionary um so those are the main ones then okay. it gets into some others that are kind of, yeah, maybe maybe not yeah, and verse 19 kind of uh, calls back uh, a, a memory if, if from just last week where we were talking about uh, uh, kind of like a court mm -hmm. case. Uh, right. I call that a witness against you. Uh, yep. This isn't set, though, the way last week's reading was. It kind of uh, is. Kind of is? Yeah. Okay. Because remember, this is Moses' closing words. Um, so this is like kind of like a closing argument. Yeah. To the defense. To, to the Yeah, or, <laughs> or the prosecution. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. I think I think on this in this part of it, it's more the prosecution. Okay. But, well, actually, it's it's more like a civil case rather than a, a criminal case. Where are you fulfilling the contracted agreement? Mm. Yeah. Um, and if you do not, you're ruined. Yeah. So I'm I'm struggling to try to remember. So the time frame though is Moses never enters the promised land. Right. So this is him writing during their wandering years. No, they're on the, they can literally see the promised land from where they are. Oh, okay. He, he dies just before they cross the river. Gotcha. Gotcha. One imagines dramatically, like within inches. One is welcome to imagine that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which, if I'm being honest, is a little <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> On the other Moses hand. Moses, it's not Moses' fault. Well, Dude did practically everything he possibly could. But I, and I have to admit, I'm forgetting what act of unfaithfulness he did that God said, okay. Whatever it is. You don't get to enter the promised land. Whatever it is, doesn't it still pale in comparison to the, the cats he was trying to eat? <laughs> Yeah, but it, cats. it it shows that no one is so favored by God that they get to break relationship with God. Uh, I got you. Okay, I got you. Um, yeah, and we, it, I do find it interesting that we we've talked many times on this podcast about blessings and curses, and yeah. it's actually literally written in this in yeah. this section. It's pretty clear here. Yeah. So. Um, not as, not quite as background information as I thought that it 
originally was like, well, you have to remember mm-hmm. that this kind of a social contract of blessing. You, you know, you say a blessing and a curse. And here, lo and behold, it's it actually explicitly written down like, hey, by the way, we have this, con- this social mm-hmm. contract of blessings and curses. Um, so I, I, I thought that was up until just now, I thought that was kind of more background information played out many times. Right. Over in. Well, and the reason it's not always obvious what is a very ancient belief that if someone read out loud the blessing and curses, they enacted it. Mm. And you don't want anyone to accidentally agree to a blessings and curses that they don't really want to undertake. Gotcha. Okay. Whereas by this point, the theology of Israel had become sophisticated enough that he could say, yeah, you, you, you can say it without it actually happening. Mm. God's more sophisticated than this. Um, yeah, so you said this was like the tail end. This is the closing argument. Right. Uh, how much more is left in Deuteronomy after this? It closes with 34, but okay. um, by this point, Moses is dead. So the the teaching part ends gotcha. shortly after this book. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, anything else about the Deuteronomical uh, entry? Deuteronomical. Now I can't say <laughs> Gotcha. You mess with my brain, man. Anything more about this reading? Um, it it's supposed yes, it is supposed to draw us back to our deepest roots of uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, yeah. Um, this isn't just the last forty years of wandering through the wilderness after leaving Egypt. This goes all the way back. Um, and the last, and it's almost it, the last of Moses' teaching is ends with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Gotcha. Um, there is a, a hymn he creates after this that he shares. But you know, that that's to signify how what Moses is writing down, even though it's being written down here is based on the most ancient relationships that Israel has had with God. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to our psalm. Today's psalm is Psalm 1. So, right there, we get questions. Um, <laughs> psalm 1. Hopefully we have answers. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way, way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And there we see the word perish again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 1. Uh, how we start out the book of Psalms. Very short psalm. One of the relative, relatively shortest. Uh, uh, True. It's only six. It's only six verses. Um, what makes this one the one that we start with? Like, is there any indication as to why it's put first? 
many scholars think it was actually written to be first. Okay. Um, not because it was better than the others, but to serve as an introduction to the value of the book of Psalms. Um, and that at the same time, Psalm 2 was written. Okay. With Psalm 1 being focused on any individual and Psalm 2 about the nation, a more collective one. Okay, I got you, I got you. Um, this is, yeah, this, uh, I, first, just going in order of, of, of rereading this, uh, I love the the seat of scoffers. Isn't that great? <laughs> what a great... <laughs> I'm curious, though, if there's, like, alternate translation. Like, did we go for the alliteration in, in our translation? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, or, uh, you know, because um, it's easy for me, at least where we're reading this now, to see the word uh, that we're talking about, don't follow the advice of the wicked. Wicked is, you know, way over here on the spectrum. Wicked mm -hmm. is, like... Farthest that that wicked of, uh, of badness of, of badness. Okay. Yes, exactly. Scoffers seems more like it's like that. Doesn't to scoff is to barely contain, it barely barely not be able to contain your contempt. Huh. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's not well. Yeah, it, it implies less that that it might be lesser than wicked. Um, so I'm kind of curious well, as to... Okay. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> Scoffers are wicked. I've, I think I scoffed this morning. Well, remember your lessons of Hebrew poetry. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So... Vacillating between extremes, that lesson? No. no? Okay. <laughs> the repetition lesson. Oh, repetition. Yes. Um, Say it again. That, <laughs> that the... the he, what makes Hebrew poetry poetic in the ears of Hebrew speakers is a repetition of the thought. Okay. It's not okay. rhyming or anything or cadence or anything like that. Um, so take the path that sinners tread or sit, sit in the seat of scoffers. Those mean the exact same thing. Okay. And the scoffer part is not that they're scoffing at – other humans, they're scoffing at God. Oh, okay. Okay. So you could you. almost translate this as heretics. But I love the heretics. <laughs> no, they you provide do. the no, most you. fascinating information and experiences. Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, yes, I don't like to sit in those seats. Uh, <laughs> but I do like to witness people in those seats. Um, uh, uh, okay, so that's so this is a this is a rule of three occurring in in the Hebrew scripture: the advice of the wicked, path of sinners, seat of God scoffers, God scoffers, <laughs> the candy that fails. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that was a Willy Wonka. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Reference for anyone was going yeah, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, don't be like them. Uh, but, uh, well, actually, it says, happy uh, are those who do don't. not. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, their delight is in the law of the Lord. Um, and 
how many? So yeah, the, the, let's define let's define real quick what his law is because one imagines like that seems very dry. <laughs> Uh, 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 Remember who employs you? Right? It, yeah, yeah. I'll say it. I'll say that to their face. Uh, uh, law is very can be very dry, uh, and I and I feel like law of the Lord is really like something that could do well with quotes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could do well um, because what are we referring to when we're talking about the law of the Lord? It is all the stuff. That tells us how to love God, love neighbor, love self. Right. So it's not as dry as like ten, the Ten Commandments. Right. It right. is far more encompassing, which means that like when it says something like uh, having delight and finding ways to meditate on it day and night, if you read the Ten Commandments, you're done. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, and and so the law of the Lord is. Much more robust, much more yeah. rounded, much more material, and so therefore, plenty of ways to meditate upon uh, um, it day and night, and much more realistic that could be the case. Like, hey, yeah, you... well, and it's one of my okay, a church nerd, guilty. One of my favorite things to do with a with free time is to read the interpretations of the Torah, of the law, oh. to use a direct translation, by rabbis. Okay. Because the, they they can take just about any verse currently in the Bible, the Hebrew part of it, and and you know, clearly have meditated on it day and night and come up with all sorts of fascinating ramifications and teachings. And this takes us to there. Most of them very, very helpful. Uh -huh. um, so it there, that's a, a direction that has been taken very very seriously in the Jewish tradition. Not to find out the single truth of any verse, but rather to try to expand it as far as it can possibly go to help people in their daily lives. Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love the imagery here. Uh, the 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 people who are happy are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in its season, and the leaves don't ever wither. Uh, mm -hmm. Because if you're directly plugged into that water source, you're not going to have any problems. Uh, whereas not being directly plugged into the water source, uh, you're going to dry up and to the point of being so brittle the wind can tear you apart and well, cast you into that. Yeah, chapter, or verse 4, they are like chaff that the wind drives away yeah so, um and keep in mind this is a mediterranean climate so most trees are evergreen yeah 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 That's and do point. have not necessarily a, a pine needle type evergreen but uh has leaves but it never loses them all gotcha if they don't have to go dormant the winter is mild I'm also curious uh another translation curiosity there are five because uh, it says uh, the judgment, which again seems like more a more modern uh, apocalypse, like a, a uh, yeah revelations kind of like a ending of the world kind of a vibe. I'm curious as to whether uh, I'm curious as to whether or not the actually belongs there, because therefore the way it, it will not stand in judgment would 
kind of vibe a little bit more with the Old Testament mentality. It, well, there, yeah, there or is God's no, judgment. There is no the there. Oh, okay. It's just, well, and, I'm getting good at picking these out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that one's low hanging fruit because it, hey, hey, <laughs> come on, man. Because like Greek, um, Hebrew doesn't have many what we consider common articles like the. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so yes, that's a translation decision to add a the there. Interesting. I think because in English, if it was translated word for word, which is the goal of the New Revised Standard Version, it would be confusing whether or not the wicked are getting to judge others or are they being judged. If it simply said, therefore the wicked will not stand judgment. Mm. Okay. Okay. Wasn't looking hanging fruit. I felt good about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, it's also uh, yeah. So it, it, what else about this though? I mean, it, you're right. It does kind of set up a lot of what we do see in the rest of the psalms. Yeah. Uh, uh, ponderances so and different aspects of of uh, of this, but uh, for the most part. Yeah, uh, uh, be like those who are happy. Don't be like the wicked. Uh, and look. And what this is saying is, look for these themes in the following psalms. Gotcha. gotcha. That if you if you're not able to sit and um, meditate on a psalm, do you see any of these themes here? That might help you out. There you go. Look for them. Well, let's look for Luke. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build the tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, he has, uh, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. All who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, no one, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. It ends softer than, softer than it starts. Um, or does it? <laughs> well, I'll let you tell me what you're thinking, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well... Fan hate is a strong you, word. If, hate is, unless you're telling me hate is a translative <laughs> choice, uh, 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 and it's not really that harsh. Hate is pretty harsh. It's a bummer, uh, and is very different than giving up your possessions. Or well, okay. What and what I mean, what I was referring to, is. In the time of Jesus, family was basically a possession. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. 
Okay. If if you were a parent, I mean heritage. I suppose I have my heritage. Uh, well, even more. I mean, if you could literally. Anyway, oh, but, that's what you're talking about. Like you could literally sell your children. Yeah. So I get it from the the the, 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 the parents' side. Okay. Uh, because yeah, that 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 is a a fairly well known aspect of of uh, of. That society, which carried on for quite a while, well, right into colonial times. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah. So uh, the idea of like really marrying off a child uh, is what was very possessory uh, uh, based. So that's not outside of the, the realm. Of, well, in you know, in colonial, could, colonial could times, son you could sell the father. <laughs> though I mean, hating your father <laughs> if he couldn't run fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't want to. Right. <laughs> uh, but, um, Always I, right back to Monty Python. Right. I'm so sorry. Um, but I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking more of the like you were somewhat what you're saying of the the heritage is crucial to you because um, gives you it gives you your identity and. Jesus is trying to say God has to give you your identity, not your lineage. Okay. And even though you're your backup for all of life's needs is your family, no, God is. Gotcha. So it's okay. um what what about this word hate? It's hate. It, it's <laughs> yeah, I I um this double okay, Mark and Luke and Matthew all use it, and John too, as hate. Wow. The quadrifecta. Yeah, it's not too, <laughs> yeah, it's not too often all four gospels use the same term in the same yeah. way. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, not much doubt about it. <laughs> it that's that's still kind of a, even even in that context, it's still a little difficult to swallow because uh even hating even life itself is yeah, like, that's a well, That's part a of it, statement, man. yeah, and it, it's it's usually used in the context of an enemy, okay. so, which makes it worse, I think, um, that you thoroughly disregard the importance of even your own life, of mm. you know, drawing two more breaths. Um, you you really are willing to die for God at any moment. Yeah, it, like, to, because I, I just thought, like, you know what? Maybe we have false, like, uh, additives to the word hate. Right. And maybe it's got that, words. Yeah. Maybe it's not <laughs> what I think it is. Here's the definition of the word hate to feel intense or passionate dislike for. Um,. Intense and passionate dislike for your father, your mother, yeah. your wife, <laughs> and children, uh, and even life itself. This is very Eeyore esque. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Can't I, stand it. <laughs> and I was thinking kind of the opposite of this is Jesus saying, You're really going to listen to me? Listen to this. Yeah, is this is this just uh, is this just trying to drive some people away? I don't think it's trying. 
Sort of, yeah. That um, which in John happens. He, John doesn't have this exact story, but doesn't have anything close to this story. But at one point near the end of John's gospel, unlike the other three gospels, John makes clear that Jesus is pretty much down to the apostles and the women. And yeah. everyone else has left because Jesus' teachings have become too difficult. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I have to admit, the way this is phrased, it's, we start off with a large crowd, right? And then he says this. And I can imagine, like, you ever, you ever do one of those uh, uh, large group participatory things of, like, everybody stand up. Okay, if you fall into this category or if this is you, sit down, sit down, sit down until you get to the end. Yeah. I don't want to meet the guy <laughs> who's still standing at the end. Of the I hate him! <laughs> okay, sit down if you love your father. Yeah. Your mother. Your wife. Your children. Brothers. Sisters. Life. Well, uh, yeah. All right. All right. Tom, good to meet you. You're my new disciple. <laughs> you hate everybody and everything. Wow, that person is going to have me a lot. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? I mean, uh, like. Well, <laughs> no, you're not wrong. And what's this is one of those. I don't want to beat that disciple. That guy sucks. <laughs> he has no fans. <laughs> he doesn't get so out of time. Can't even talk to the guy. Um, but, and what's interesting to me is no one ever asks him about this. That the Pharisees, in the, a few couple verses later, the Pharisees are willing to ask him about your welcoming sinners and eating with them. They're not asking him, what about that hate stuff you were talking yeah. about two verses ago? So it's not unreasonable to think about, is this really a parable? Okay. Where that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, where Jesus is purposely exaggerating the teaching so that people go, wait a minute. I He's not giving us free bread at the moment. Do I really want to sit here and listen to this? What? what? Um, because part of what he's trying to get at is being what I haven't heard it lately, but people in the U.S. used to call a cultural Christian. Yeah. Um, is, is really what he's speaking against. If you're not willing to make God the first thing in your life, why bother? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, in full context of, of the reading here, uh, it does make sense that, that that probably what's happening is there's a large crowd following them. Everybody says they want to, you know, oh, you know, make me part of your group. Right. I could, you know, I could fit in here. And very easily, Jesus looking at individuals, as, as you probably could, and go, You're not, you don't want, you don't want this noise. Right. I can tell you now. You don't want this noise, uh, and uh, because that's what the softer side, uh, or how I'm interpreting it, the softer side of the of this reading, is basically saying, like, look, you're not thinking this all the way through. Mm-hmm. Be like the builder. Like, you, if you're going to do this, you need this. You need all of the stone. You need a great foundation. You need you need a plan. 
you're a bunch of people who have come to me with no plan. And you're like, hey, I'd love to join. Like, you haven't thought this through all the way. You, you're you going to have, you're gonna have uh, levels of persecution that you're not ready for. Uh, uh, there's there's my death and sacrifice, which you're you're not even listening to my stories about. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not you're misinterpreting that. You you're not ready for this. You you don't want this because this is. It sounds like this is more said to the crowd. Right. This is not like uh, this, this is one not. One can even crowd. imagine like Jesus goes to his own disciples like. Don't for this part. Or <laughs> this is not about you. This or, is not about you. Hey, watch this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna blow some minds. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, and, uh, because yeah, if you're a king and you're outnumbered in forces, they're like, yeah, you better settle. <laughs> you better you better not march onto that battlefield because that's complete obliteration. And yet they did. And yet, and yet they did. I mean, that, and that's part of. Why it's important not just to nod along. Uh-huh. Uh, as a current reader, say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course of course, this is what anyone would do. No. No. Part of what Jesus is saying is, come on, we have stories, even within our own scriptures, of kings being so stupid that they allow entire armies to be wiped out. Right. Just because of their ego. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or towers being half-built. Yeah. Which... Man, can I imagine some of the stuff I've tried to do around my own house <laughs> that represent half-built towers? I, I was going to say, you don't work in stone. Nope, it's no, but it's still blaringly obvious that I ran out of patience or knowledge <laughs> about what it is I got myself into. Yeah. Uh, um, so, um, in what is frustrating to me is they cut off in the reading the last two verses that have been put in this chapter. So again, chapters were added later. Okay. But they dropped, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. They throw it away. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And biblical literates have just tied themselves in knots trying to say how does salt lose its saltiness. Yeah. It doesn't. Right. And so that's part, I think that's the final look. This Don't take this at surface meaning. You have to dig deeper. Right. And otherwise, you're just dealing with shit. <laughs> <laughs> the manure pile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, pardon my French to the podcast, but. I don't believe that word is French. Lumiered <laughs> <laughs> is. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, actually, they use the French here, don't they? The manure pile. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think Jesus would have used a very salty word at this point since he's talking about salt. That's very, very possible. Okay, so yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question because, uh, yeah, that, if salt loses its saltiness, that would list everybody there would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, in, like upon ingestion, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and because even because salt was uh, something people really liked, they had learned. I mean, I suppose you could use burn it to the point where it's no longer salty. You could you could completely ob- obliterate it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, like but if you were they, to light a salt block on fire, like it would burn and 
I don't think it'd be salty anymore. Yeah, I wonder if, if the smoke would form crystals. I don't know. Yeah. But it, what I was about to say is they had already the technology to purify salt that got mixed with other stuff. Oh, okay. They're usually using water to make salt water and then dry out the salt water and there you got salt again. Yeah. So it yeah, and so people would have thought, okay, this Jesus really isn't making sense now. Oh, so maybe we need to stop and think about the things he just said that are so hard to take in. Right. This guy's talking about hating everything <laughs> and unsalty salt. <laughs> and towers falling over. <laughs> He's all over the this map. This guy's crazy. I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> Again, maybe that was the point. Maybe. Maybe. It was like, we got to get George out of here. He's driving me nuts. Uh, you know. He's, he's taking everything I say literally. <laughs> That's not my intention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then it's – so then – is there uh, what is the what is the modern then takeaway? If this is if this literally was to drive people in the moment away, uh, uh, are are we taking a a, um, a broken down a more simplified version of this story to heart for ourselves? As as in, hey, be mindful about what you like when you when you set your mind on godly things, set it wholly and completely. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that really is our, our more modern uh, uh, takeaway from... I don't know if I'd say modern, but it's the... Uh, well, Jesus isn't it, trying to drive us away. No. But it, we are today. I was going to say, they would have... It's easy to picture someone saying this in 60 AD, the same thing you just said, uh-huh. without saying, well, maybe they would have said modern. Yeah, that, that here's the curve. It would have been modern by it? Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> here's the curve. We're so much more modern. <laughs> Yeah, so yes, you have the the distilled mm-hmm. reader digest version. Ooh, yes, I like the distilled. <laughs> <laughs> Come talk to me about distilled things. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, yeah, the, so so the, the refined uh, uh, takeaway for for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I like the idea of couching this as a, a part of a parable. Yeah, um, because that does play into the. The aspect of him utilizing uh, parables that were that always are like, wait, what are what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That's not what a reasonable person would say or how they would phrase yeah. it. Um, uh, it. It reminds me a little bit too of uh, the phrase where I am, where I am going, you cannot follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in that, like this large crowd saying, like, we'll follow you to the ends of the earth, and like. <laughs> No, you won't. Right. <laughs> I, can tell you I am now. going down a road that you do not want to go. You won't uh, even. A literal road that you're not going to want to You take. guys won't even make it to the gates of Jerusalem before right. you run off. Right. Yeah. Um, so thereby also being interesting why uh, he uses in verse 27 the phrase carrying the cross. Yeah. Um, so he does kind of allude to it. Like, yeah. yeah. No, you don't want this. It involves death. It, it involves suffering, death. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a, this is not a, a, yet another example of like, I'm not the king that you think right. that I am. This is not the kingdom that you are expecting, that you're looking for. I'm not going to be awarded and it's just governorships. Not be, yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to go the way that you think. Yeah. Because that, 
with that context, with that common misconception and that common anticipation by the people of being set free and establishing, reestablishing their own kingdom and, and, and rule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, like this is not. Well, and this what, is not the way it's going to go. And part of the tragedy is Christians have ignored these verses over and over and over. Um, and happening today in our own country of folk, the Christian nationalists. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if you love Jesus, you get to have power. That's what God wants. They're like, no. <laughs> you get to have the power of servitude. Yeah. Of if you count, if, if you look at that as power, then yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're, yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Uh, anything else then about the gospel reading? It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to talk to the uh, lectionary preparers to include those last two verses. There's no reason not to. It really is. It's already, it's already a difficult yeah, passage. So why not you're, ruin it for everyone? You're not, you're not saving any, any consternation uh, by leaving out the last two verses. Uh, if anything, you're doing... You're uh, doing it a disservice by making, making it, it making it sound like it, it starts harsh and ends nicely. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, all we have to do is make sure we budget well. It doesn't. It does go back to that he- yeah. almost Hebrew poetry of like yeah. uh, difficult, a little bit easier, still difficult. Yeah, <laughs> still hard. Mind blowingly. Yes. So with that, we'll call to a close this year podcast for September 4th, 2022, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, proper 18 in year C, as we continue to Zoom by this year. Uh, join us on Sunday, uh, 8 and 10 in person, 10 o'clock, uh, broadcast live on HFEC videos on YouTube. And until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.